Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and today we have another exec interview episode, this time with Richard Haig, Professor of Additive Manufacturing and Director of the Centre of Additive Manufacturing at the University of Nottingham. The job of a researcher is to keep reinventing and continue to ask what's next. For Haig, that question has been at the core of numerous projects undertaken at the centre for over the last decade, where the what is poised to be multi-material, multifunctional additive manufacturing. Here, Haig speaks to TCT about the opportunity for multi-material, multifunctional additive manufacturing, challenges with turning research into industrial applications, and the UK as an additive manufacturing research powerhouse. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive insight, head on over to tcmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the mag and get the biggest 3D printing news stories of the week delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us on the Additive Insight podcast today. How are you doing? Ah, very well, thank you. Thanks for um, the time to speak to you. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. I think we've both been very busy over the last few weeks, but great to finally get to talk to you, especially because we're here to talk about the work going on at the University of Nottingham Centre of Additive Manufacturing. And I know that the centre had some really exciting news come out at the start of the year, developing a new toolkit for additive manufacturing and healthcare. So before I launch into asking you all questions about everything else that's going on at the centre, I guess just to start with then, can you just give us a brief at the, the, some of that news and, and maybe what it is and, and kind of the potential that you see with this new toolkit? Yeah, I mean, it's a really exciting grant, actually, that, uh, that my colleague Ricky Wildman is is leading. Um, yeah. And it's very much in the, the biopharma kind of area, the healthcare sector. Um, I mean, really, kind of, in a way, encapsulates a lot of what we do at, at Nottingham. We're very much looking into next generation additive manufacturing, mm. you know, the next generation processes, next generation materials and next generation computational uh, methods. This particular project really looks at um, the healthcare sector mm-hmm. and it's got a focus of uh, three different products. It's looking at kind of biopill printings, uh, you know, poly, poly pills, different drugs in them, mm-hmm. um, intestinal patches, so a bit of printing of enzymes in biology and uh, printing of little micro reactors that will actually create uh, uh, the, uh, the drugs that we need to put in those uh, pills and things. So it's a super exciting uh, project, which is very much at the the leading edge uh, of additive waste, developing some processes, but it's predominantly developing materials um, and and all the methods and uh, and effectively all wrapped up in this nice toolkit together. Super exciting project. Got fantastic partners on it as well, you know, Um, AstraZeneca, Syngenta, um, Cicero over in, in uh, in Australia. So it's very well connected, Re- really nice. Some of the applications you mentioned there, they're all very um, very much future-facing things that we haven't really seen an awful lot of in additive manufacturing yet, especially in the, the biopharma side of things. So it's all really exciting, um, cutting-edge stuff. And I just did have a, a, just another question about that. We have seen a lot of adoption of additive manufacturing in the healthcare sector, but as I said, not really in these kinds of applications. Why is that, do you think? How how difficult is it to translate the kind of things that are happening in a research facility like this and actually get that accepted by real industry, especially in a challenged industry like medtech, like healthcare? Medtech, there's lots of regulation, right? So a lot of the, a lot of the healthcare stuff that you've seen 
is mainly with metals, right? Yeah. So a lot of metallic implants, and so there's yeah, you know, loads and loads of metallic implants you know, by companies like Stryker uh, that are being produced uh, that are implanted on a day, daily basis. Mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, metals are relatively straightforward to process on additive uh, additive systems. There's lots of metallurgy you can do, but it's really kind of you know relatively straightforward. I, I think when when it comes to printing more exotic materials like biology and you know enzymes and drugs and things, the kind of things that Ricky is looking to explore in his project, then it gets much more difficult. A to get them to survive when you're when you're printing. B to get them to be functional, you know, once they've been printed, very often alongside other materials as well. So you wouldn't just print them by themselves. Um, and then you've got to, got to have the regulation to say that this is a safe thing to put in, very often inside a body. So mm -hmm. it's a very, very complicated manufacturing thing. There's huge benefits in doing that, I think. So, I mean, the, the uh, you know, additive is mainly there, I think, for the design freedoms that you can, that you can get. And really, for me, function is one more... Uh, expression, you know, the, the ultimate expression, really, of, of design freedoms gets mm -hmm. vastly increased functionality, but it's just harder to do, right? So, um, you know, we've seen loads and loads of pros, uh, progress, I think, in, in, in metals uh, implementation over the years, and we can see that within industry today. There's loads and loads of implementa implementation of, of, of metal parts in, in automotive, aerospace, and many different different sectors. Doing polymers is harder, uh, mm. and doing functional materials, whether it's electronically functional, whether it's biologically functional, or pharmaceutically functional, or whatever, is just harder to do. And I do want to talk to you an awful lot now about uh, the promise of those multifunctional applications, but just more generally, you are at the Centre of Additive Manufacturing at the University of Nottingham. I took a visit there a few years back now. I think it may have been as part of the Additive International Conference. Just for our listeners, can you give us a bit of a snapshot of just what, what it's like when you enter the centre, what kind of stuff has happened there? Because I know you've got an awful lot of different disciplines and there are lots of different things going on. Can you give us just an idea of what you see when you first walk in? Well, in the physical lab, it's, mm -hmm. oh, it's a fantastic space. We've got a really beautiful lab, a brand new building. I'm not sure whether we, I'm, I don't know what year you came. If it, if it was after 2018, then we'd be in the new building. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, a really fantastic laboratory for exploring next generation additive manufacturing, where we have, you know, the very latest techniques that you'd want to have. And so we have a whole suite of, uh, of systems. So in the end if you can do additive manufacturing research uh, uh, either in the process or material side of things you need to have the processes to enable you to to do it um, and so we have just a, a beautiful lab with, with, with the most up-to-date equipment both on laser powder fusion things like you know, selective laser melting as you walk in polymer powder systems and and that that's in the the, the first part of the lab but then when you move into the into the main lab, if you like, where we're function when we're focusing on the multi-material, multi-functional side of stuff, we've got an, an enormous suite of inkjetting-based technologies predominantly. Mm. So we're super interested. In what inkjetting helps you do is is selectively deposit different materials. It's kind of like your colour inkjet printer at home, um, and we have an amazing set of both single head and multi-head uh, inkjet systems that we can we can use for materials development and, and process development side of stuff as well as things like uh, microsterilography as well as things like um, 
uh, you know, or, or the, the nano-based technologies as well, as well as um, developmental systems that we're building ourselves, um, mm. and, you know, things like high-temperature metal jetting. So we just have a really large range of systems that are relevant, particularly towards multi-material mm-hmm. uh, additive manufacturing, which I think is going to be the next the next wave of additives that comes through. Yeah, so tell us about that then, because your research is focused on this multifunctional, multi-material additive manufacturing, using these uh, dissimilar materials, creating functional devices. Tell us why you're so interested in exploring that. Why? That's a good question. Um, I think it's, I mean, I've, I've been really lucky to be involved in additive since you know, about 1983. So it's my 30th year in additive. I started at the University of Nottingham in November 1983. And in the 90s, it was kind of prototyping, mm. uh, prototyping and tooling. That's really what it was all used for. Um, and in the 2000s, it was very much the move to additive manufacturing. So we were one of the first groups to start looking at why can you use these 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 layer by layer techniques for actually manufacturing and use parts. And that's where we really got into design freedom and what have you. But by 2008 or so, you know, I was probably I was getting a bit bored, if I'm honest, mm. and and I wanted wanted to kind of do something a little bit different. And um, you know, we sat down. And I thought, well, okay, well, if if you're going to stay, and, and also lots of other groups were coming into the field as well. It was becoming a, a you know a well for um, a, a fertile research area. So other mm. was coming as well. And so it's a bit more difficult to differentiate yourself. And if for me, if you're going to be a leading research group, you need to be doing research and. Um, I didn't want to be a group that continued just to make shapes, which, is mm. we, which we probably were in the 1990s. Yeah, it was a prototyping group, really, and wanted to transform the group to be much more of a science-based uh, activity that was, that, that was more at the cutting edge and doing the, the materials and process development for additive. Mm. Um, and so we hit on this idea of multi-material, multifunctional stuff, which no one was really doing <clears throat> at the time. Um, and we're very fortunate to, to get a, a grant from the EPSRC um, in 2011, I think, um, which was the first major grant, I think, anywhere, looking at multi-material, multifunctional. Right. And so it, it, we just did it really to, to, to stay at the front. I mean, for me, I think it's really important that you, as a researcher, you have to reinvent yourself occasionally. You have to say, okay, well, we've we had this idea We've done it, we've achieved what we wanted to achieve, or it didn't work, whichever way that goes. And then say, okay, well, what next? Okay, what should we do next? And uh, what, what can we build on to, 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 do, to do the next thing? And, um, and really the multi-material stuff was it. And it's still super, you know, 12 years on, it's still super challenging. And, mm-hmm. and it's still a super, super interesting area to go. When you very first started exploring that then, you know, as you say, 12, 12 or so years ago, what what kind of applications were you thinking about then? When you first started that research, did you have something in mind? What what was the, where did you start really? Well, it's hard, was it, to a certain extent, this sounds terrible. I'm, 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 although we've always been really well industry connected, mm. um, for me, I've been much, it's, it's, for me, it's always been not what it is, it's how it's made. Okay. I'm much more interested in the process and industry and people will come along and, and use it for different different applications. So, you know, you can see it in single material additive, you know, conventional additive manufacturing today. You know, the, the kind of applications we get today are incredible and no one would have imagined them, um, you know, 20 years ago when we first started doing additive manufacturing research. I, no one would ever have thought, I think, that we would have had 
um, you know, jet engines that you know the, the hot jet engine on on space rockets that are three meters, mm. and the level of complexity that things like the hypergamic uh, kind of technology are are making. It you know it's it's mind blowing what you can do. So for me, I think if you make the processes and you make you you enable the access to the materials, it enables you to um, to do more complexity. <clears throat> but of course, as part of grant proposal, we have to have industrial partners and we have to have um, really nice applications to go for. And so initially we were focused much more on the 3D printed electronics side of things. Can you, mm. you know, can you package electronics up a little bit um, instead of having flat planar um, electronic boards, could we compress those into little cubes or you know, whatever shape you wanted to have them? So that was the, that was the, the initial idea I think that we had. And then that has, um, through that grant, we were able to, because they're very flexible grants that you get from UPSRC, they're wonderful things. Um, and we were able to start exploring um, printing of drugs. So we moved to Nottingham at that stage in 2012. Mm. Uh, we moved back to Nottingham in 2012. Um, and we were able to connect with the pharmacy department here, for example, and um, and, and, and started developing you know, printed, printed pharmaceuticals and printed polypills. Mm-hmm. And then progressively got ourselves involved with the Biodiscovery Institute and started doing more regenerative medicine. So it's kind of mushroomed out into into different into different areas. And so, I mean, you asked me about our lab the other day and what what it looks like. What I forgot to mention is that we've also got another couple of labs as well. So we've got a biofab- biofabrication facility as well. Okay. Um, because you can't print biology in an engineering lab, right? Mm. So you've got to be really careful about printing biology. So we have a dedicated, quite large biofabrication facility and we also have a dedicated clean room uh, that's uh, for the printing of pharmaceuticals and so um, so we have really three three primary labs that enables us to, to to really work at a cutting edge with not not just the processes and not just not just the deposition modalities um, but also have the the formulation for the materials mm. and also the, the the analysis for those materials so we can kind of analyze the materials um we can formulate materials and analyze them before we deposit them we can deposit them and then we can do the de- post deposition analysis of, of how it's worked and so um and we're now moving much more into in-situ analysis uh, during, during during the processing mm. so it's <clears throat> you know we just we just have an amazing suite of fantastic labs that we've built up over the last 10 years that hopefully will last for another 10 years or so you mentioned quite a few different uh, avenues there, but I wonder if you can talk about um, maybe any, any current work that's been done there. Are there any projects you can actually tell us about that you're undertaking right now? Well, we have various projects um, looking at the printing of functional materials. Yeah, so, probably too many to talk about in half an hour. <laughs> yeah, too, too many. And we have, we have really amazing partners across the industrial spectrum. So you know, I mentioned... Um, you know, AstraZeneca and GSK and Pfizer and, and those kind of pharma, pharma-based companies. We, all, we also work with you know, BA Systems and uh, other large aerospace companies um, to, to work on, you know, kind of defense and automotive and those kind of, kind of areas. So we have, we have a range. And so I think one, some of the things that we've been doing that, that, that everyone will be interested in, I think, now is, is printing of magnetics and magnetic parts for electric motors you know mm. there's, there's a real opportunity i think for additive to to be able to create more efficient electric motors and we all need to have more efficient electric motors in our car so they, they go faster right? so they're lighter 
more efficient, use electric, use less electricity for the same power. But, so we've done some really nice work looking at you know, the, the optimization of electrical motors. Very lucky to have connected research groups here at uh, Nottingham. So we have the, the power electronic and machines uh, group here who are experts on electrical machine design. So we can partner with them to uh, uh, and we do the we do the the processing and material side of of additive, mm. um, and we can work with them on their application. It's the same with the pharmacy department here. You know, the top top one in the UK, top three in the world pharmacy department, and so. So we're really lucky to be able to work with, with them. So you so you ask about you know what applications are we going to use it for? We connect with other people with their applications that enable their research avenues. Mm -hmm. So I guess more broadly, then, can you just talk about the the potential that you see additive manufacturing within this multi-material uh, landscape? What what kind of things that it could open up that we maybe haven't seen before? I know you talked you know about some of those applications very early on, but the scope now must be incredible for what you see might be possible in the future. It's a big question. <laughs> if, if I if I if I had the answer for every single uh, thing that could be done with additive, I'd be much wealthier than I am now. <laughs> I think um, I think. You know, there are things like the potential for printing batteries as mm. well. I think that's got some real scope there. We can have much higher surface area within the batteries to print solid state batteries that, that, that last longer. I think things like metamaterials have got real um, real potential where we can produce structures that just don't occur in nature naturally and, um, and perform in a different way, both mechanical and electromechanical, uh, so electromagnetic um, uh, metamaterials. Um, I, I think I, I'm, I'm personally less interested in just making structure. Right? Mm. So I think, you know, we've seen some really lovely examples and have been involved in some really lovely examples of, uh, of creating single material structure. But I think you know, research in AM has gone beyond that. We need to combine both function and structure. Um, and, that, and that could be across a range of different applications that have, uh, you know, uh, uh, electronic, electromagnetic, Pharma, bio, whatever, and, uh, um, and I think the, you know, the, the 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 opportunities are huge. Two hundred exhibitors, four stages, one hundred speakers, and one thousand years of combined experience. TCT three hundred and sixty is firmly established as the UK's definitive three D printing and additive manufacturing event, and registration is now open. Between the 7th and 8th of June this year, TCT360 will bring together market-leading technology suppliers and services, as well as the largest free additive manufacturing conference on the planet. TCT360 is a free, must-attend event for anyone looking to evaluate, adopt or optimise 3D printing technology within their business. Join us on the 7th and 8th of June at the NEC in Birmingham. To register, go to www.tct360.com. I'm sure that the challenges will be different depending on the application and the industry that, that you're aiming for, but what what has been so challenging so far about multifunctional, multi-material additive manufacturing? Why haven't we seen um, more of that compared to, say, some of the other more established processes for AM? So if you've got metals, and I'm going to be really, this is like a really um, simplified view of it, but okay. to, to get, and, and I'm going to annoy a lot of people here, I don't mean to. <laughs> um, I mean, broadly, you, you get some metals, you melt it, you spray it, you get powders, and then you can chuck a laser at it and build build parts out of it. 
Okay, and so the, the creation of the feedstock material is relatively straightforward. So you can get powder fairly, fairly easily. And, and, and there's lots of processing challenges and lots of metallurgy challenges, so I'm not minimizing it at all, but it's, you, know, you, you can get materials that people know and love and can use um, you know, quite readily um, uh, for, their, for their process. I, th I think one of, the, one of the major challenges in implementing additive is that actually is that you're generally using a different process than we're used to. You're using a different material and you're using a different uh, design methodology. You're probably manufacturing it in a different place. And so for manufacturers, that's quite a big thing, right? So you've got you know, everything about your manufacturing process for your component has changed. And at least with the metals, you can process, you know, pre rusted stainless steel, 718 Incadel, all those kind of nice materials that people understand. And so at least the materials and the metallurgy is, 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 is known. And so it kind of gives confidence to implement. With polymers, it's a bit different. So, uh, you know, um, polymeric materials, it's, especially in the, the powder bed systems, we have a, quite a limited range of materials that we can uh, we can actually use for for things like um, uh, laser powder bed fusion or you know, multi jet fusion. We're still predominantly using nylons and some TPUs that mm. have been around for years, and so the range isn't isn't, isn't the same. The, the amount of the types of materials that you can process are challenging, and even in those standard uh, conventional manufacturing systems. Um, for multi-material systems, well, first you have to have a modality that enables multi-materials, and these powder bed processes don't readily enable uh, uh, multi-material uh, processing. You can get some uh, some multi-material systems such as the Aerosynth, uh, but it's not it's not that easy, right? And you destroy the powder. So you have to turn to something like inkjetting. And so that sounds simple, mm. conceptually really easy, you know, colour, 3D printer effectively, different materials, spit them out and off you go. But there's temperature limitations that you have and there's viscosity limitations that you have. And there's, you know, the fact that you're you you're depositing some materials that are much thinner in layers than so that the, the functional layers are very often much thinner because you mm. use often things like nanoparticulates. Um, which produce extremely thin, you know, a couple of micron thick layers compared to the structural layer that you're sticking around it. Um, and so there's this mismatch. And then you've got to functionalize that, um, that, that functional material in process because it's going to get entrapped by the, the functional material that you're likely wrapping around it. So there's huge challenges where you're, you're effectively mixing different materials that have different chemistries, probably mm. temperatures, uh, you know, and different functionalization methodologies as you go along. So, well, I think one of the challenges we have with additive is it's conceptually quite a simple thing to understand. You know, you know lots of slices of bread that you stack up to make a loaf of bread. And yeah. You get you get you get um you you, you get a three D part in that way. So people understand what it is, um, but in reality, doing it is quite hard. Even for single materials, it's quite hard to get it done properly. And mm -hmm. for multi-materials, it's kind of, you know, 10 times worse. You know? okay. So it's, it's you know, when, you know, in, just on that interface of that those dissimilar materials, how do you interface dissimilar materials that have different chemistries, different temperatures of deposition, different, you know, modalities of, uh, of curing or melting or, 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 or freezing or whatever. And so, so <clears throat> yeah, it's just tricky to do. Mm -hmm. 
You talked earlier about working with some really great industry partners, uh, particularly on some of these emerging application areas. And I wondered, in a similar way to the to the MedTech toolkit, where you're building this toolkit to, to translate that to industry to make it easier to adopt, how challenging is it to change something from research and turn it into something that can be adopted by industry? Yeah, another good question. Um, I think it's, it's quite challenging. Uh, a, because you get researchers, you know, like us in the past, you develop a load of stuff and then get bored and want to do something else. <laughs> and so, so I think there's, there's that. Um, but it, but actually, to be honest with you, we have an increasing um, focus on, on impact and an increasing focus on getting our research work patented and commercialised and, and out there. We've had a real focus in the last 10 years or so on getting publications and journal uh, academic journal publications out and that's been very successful we've mm. got really good high impact journal publications it's the same in the uk i mean this we're we're not unique here the, the uk is generally pretty good they're getting really excellent journal publications and our rate of publication in the uk is very very high um, definitely definitely the uk not just us other groups such as sheffield and liverpool and, and what have you got really really good reputations around it uh, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a an AM research superpower, but translating that into product and, and uh, is, is quite hard. And I think that's in a way largely due to the fact that a lot of the um, the early processes were actually developed by companies in America or Germany. There was not much process development done uh, done in the UK in the early uh, in the early years. I think with things like the multi material, so there's been quite a lot of applications. Um, exploitation done um, and I think with things like the multi-material stuff there's a real scope for, uh, for industry but it is it is hard right so you have to patent something first of all uh, and it's quite hard patenting things within within universities right because the, the route to getting patents is, is is quite complicated and then setting up spin-out companies is quite hard right? mm. you know they don't, universities just don't want to set up every idea that every academic has and so the process of going through things is quite is, is quite challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really, really have to work very closely with with industry. And you know, the, all the grants that we have, all of them have very strong industrial collaborators on. So you know, we have um, so Ricky's grant I've talked about, you know, AstraZeneca, Syngenta, Formlabs, done all those kind of wonderful companies. On the projects I have, you know, we have BA Systems, AWE. Uh, Texas Instruments, uh, you know, and, and, and Pfizer as well. So we have a range of different um, you know, high-end industrial collaborators that are able to take your work forward, you know, through mm-hmm. licensing or spin out or whatever. So, um, it, but it is, I think it's a perennial problem, if I'm honest. I think mm-hmm. that tra- translation of, of research into industry, where we can capture that benefit of, uh, of the research lead that I think we genuinely still have, uh, in, in the UK, still and taking it out into, um, into, in, into industry is, is hard. We've got some nice examples in the UK, I would say. You know, there's been some there's been some nice things come out of Liverpool, for example. So, Cliff mm. and Kate Black at, at Liverpool, they're both, yeah, yeah. They're very successful in their in their in, in their exploitation side of things. I, I've had a patent uh, or two licensed by, by by companies as well, and so we. You know, there is really nice examples of it working, um, but I don't think we have enough of it. Mm-hmm. And I think, to a certain extent, that's 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 because academics are 
motivated to write journal publications rather than patents. Okay. So, so I think that there has to be a little bit of a trade-off between, and that's because their careers are based on it. So mm. if, if a researcher wants to move forward in their career, they have to have a certain amount of journal publications in high impact journals, and, and that's how they're judged. They're not judged necessarily on patents because they take a long while to come to fruition in terms of licensing, etc. And mm -hmm. so, so if people want to move on in their careers in research, they have to publish and get mm -hmm. PhDs who need to publish. And um, so it, it, it's challenging. Personally, I think that we should have much more incentives to to take take our research out and, and, pub, and patent it and exploit it. You know, it should be easier to set up a spin-out company. Okay. I'm actually really glad that you talked about the UK in general though because I did want to get your thoughts on that and I love that term you've just described it with this superpower of additive manufacturing research here in the UK what, what are your sort of general thoughts on on the state of the UK additive manufacturing landscape right now are you feeling quite positive about it uh, academically yes mm -hmm. I think it's still pretty strong um and personally I would differentiate between groups that are using additive techniques to those that are developing additive techniques. So, so when I talk about it being research, so loads and loads of research groups uh, in lots of different fields who are using, quite rightly, additive for their things, but they're not really doing additive research, they're just using it as a manufacturing job. Um, there are some groups, um, you know, Imperial, ourselves, um, Sheffield, Liverpool, Manchester, etc., who are doing some amazing work, I think, and um, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's really quite a, a strong and has been strong forever. Uh, so even since the very start of uh, the, the the AM world, as rapid prototyping it was, the UK was strong. Mm. Um, it's 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 generally transformed much more into a scientific. It was very much more of a manufacturing based endeavor in the 90s and it's become much more of a scientific uh, endeavor right so and very multidisciplinary as well so groups such as ours for example highly multidisciplinary so we've got you know chemists physicists we've got an economist you know I'm, I'm the last lonely mechanical manufacturing person in the group <laughs> everybody else is from a much more scientific background you know material scientists chemists etc um and that is what helps take it forward. Mm. It's, it's a highly multidisciplinary area where you have to look at the process, you have to look at the materials, potentially the computational methods, potentially the design, the modeling of the process, the modeling of the deposition. And it's super, super multidisciplinary. And so you have to have a team that can do that or have a collaboration that's enabling that to happen. Mm -hmm. And so just to finish then, Richard, um, I just want to find out about kind of your um, your ambitions for 2023, really, what kind of things we can expect to see coming out of the centre, maybe for any projects you're working on yourself. Just tell us what we can hope to see coming out of, over the next 12 months. All right. So just for me, per well, for the group, there's loads of coming out. I can't, can't talk about it. You know, I can 100, imagine. <laughs> 100, 100 people in the group, so I can't cover everybody. So um, I think, well, we've... There's Ricky's programme grant that's starting. I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Uh, I think that's got great potential in a really complex, complex area. Mm -hmm. That's super interesting. Uh, one of my colleagues, Chris Tuck, has um, recently been awarded funds for a multi-material laser powder bed fusion system. So a you know, um, powder, powders and laser system that we can also put some in situ analysis 
uh, equipment on this Econity system from from Germany. Yeah, like a million and a half pound, million million and a half pounds piece of equipment, and it's you know it's unique. So looking really looking forward to seeing how that goes. Um, uh, we've uh, you know our my program run that I'm running is coming uh, to an end in a, in about eighteen months or so. So we're really really pushing hard to get get the impact out of that and thinking about what next, right? So you know what next in terms of you know, the electronic electromagnetic kind of end of the, the work that we do mm-hmm. and so to be honest with you this year I'll be, I'll be spending a lot of it writing the grant all right so that's because uh, so it takes a it takes a lot of effort to write these, these these large grants but i'm really looking forward and we've also got a couple of spin-out companies as well um so added scientific which is doing mm-hmm. research organization and um, uh, is also developing some really nice jetty-based products um, so that's that's going really well and we also have another product based on the research that's that's come out, another company based on the research that's come out of the, the group, which is called Reactive Fusion, which is um, basically a, a, a kind of a binder jetting based process, but mm. it's using react, reactive inks and reactive powders for, for polymers. So for the first time, we'll be able to expand the range of uh, the kind of polymer. I talked before about that lack of materials that you have for, um, for um, polymeric systems. Well, we're looking to expand that with real engineering grade um, polyurethanes, silicones, and polycarbonate materials um, that we can produce on these, these other processes, and that would be fantastic. So I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to really pushing the research forward. Really put, looking forward to taking our companies to the next level as well. And then it'll be back to reinventing again. <laughs> yeah, start again. again. <laughs> but but it, you know, it's a nice process, right? You've got you know, it's really nice to be able to say, okay, well, what next? Right, and so that's one of the joys of being a, a, an academic. In the in the end, you can think of an idea, and you have to be able to write it up. You have to be able to convince people that it's worth funding. But then you get funded for it, um, and you get to work with fantastic colleagues, fabulous industry, in a really nice work environment. You can mix in the lab; it's fantastic. Um, and so, it doesn't get a lot better, really. And so, you know, it's really, really nice. Um, Thing to be able to do so you, you know you, you're very much in control of your own destiny and, uh, and, you, and you get to work with some clever people and that's the most interesting thing tickets are now on sale for the 2023 tct awards on june the 7th the 3d printing and additive manufacturing community will come together to celebrate the latest technology innovations and application developments at the fifth annual tct awards ceremony the world's preeminent 3D printing and additive manufacturing awards program, TCT Awards is held alongside TCT 360 in Birmingham in the UK. To book your tickets, visit www.tctawards.com.